All right, Hebrews chapter number 11, Hebrews chapter number 11, and uh, by now you've probably uh, made a good guess that I'm going to speak on the subject of faith once again uh, this evening, and I've enjoyed uh, at least getting back into this subject uh, through uh, this situation that we've been in, and uh, faith is something we need to be reminded of often, and something we need to give our attention to. And we're going to look once again, Hebrews chapter number 11, and I am going to draw your attention to uh, verse number 19, verse number, let's go back to verse number 8, uh, back to verse number 17, and we'll read down through verse number 20, uh, Hebrews 11, verse 17 through 20, by faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. By faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. I want to draw your attention tonight to verse number 20. By faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. Tonight I want us to look at the life of Isaac and there's something about Isaac just like uh, I hope you uh, were either here or watching Sunday night when uh, I preached on the life of Samuel and if you uh, were not able to let me encourage you uh, to go back and uh, Find that on our website and uh, listen or watch it. And looking at Samuel's life, and there's so many things we don't we miss until we look at it from the standpoint of faith. And certainly is true in the life of Isaac. And tonight I want to use his life to speak on this subject: faith in God's promises. Faith in God's promises. Father, I pray tonight that you'll help us as we look in the Word of God, look at the life of Isaac. Father, may our faith be strengthened tonight because of His faith. May our strength be, our faith be strengthened tonight because of the Word of God, may the Spirit of God move in our heart. May we be reminded tonight that uh, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. May we uh, rededicate ourselves once again uh, to spending time in the Word of God, giving heed to the Word of God. And Father, I pray that you'll help your people tonight, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Because of time, I'll not read this entire passage of Scripture, but if you were to turn back to Genesis chapter 27, and in verse number 1, you'll find the story of Isaac and how Isaac is going to bless Esau and pass down the birthright. We're reminded in verse number 17 of Hebrews 11 uh, that Abraham offered up Isaac. We know that story and how uh, God provided himself uh, another sacrifice as Abraham was going to sacrifice Isaac to God. And uh, then uh, that was preserving the promise that God had made to Abraham. God had made the promise to Abraham that he was going to make him a great nation. Let me remind you what, I, what I've said so many times through the last weeks and months and years. When God makes a promise, it's done. It's as good as done. We're just waiting on it to be fulfilled. Uh, God is not capable of, of un, being uh, uh, unfulfilling in His promises. And so uh, He has promised Abraham that He is going to uh, make of him a great nation. And from Abraham, 
God would have a nation. And then comes the story of Isaac and how Isaac was his only son. And if you think back just for a moment of, of all that went into Isaac being given to Abraham and Sarah, God gave them Isaac in their old age, thus continuing to fulfill the promise that he had made. Then there was the test that God uh, posed to Abraham. Would he sacrifice his own son uh, to uh, him? And we know the story how, and there's the picture of, of God providing uh, that sacrifice and how God was going to provide a sacrifice for the sins of man. And we find in our passage of Scripture tonight that Abraham believed the promise to the point that God would raise Isaac up again. Now, that's generally uh, the gist of the emphasis on the life of Isaac. If you think back to it, just like we referred to Samuel, we think of Samuel as that child, but we forget that God used him his whole life, and he had a life of faith. Same is true of Isaac. Abraham was such a predominant character in Scripture. Isaac is going to be in his shadow, certainly somewhat. But we find that Isaac was going to be the sacrifice, but God provided himself a lamb. Then we find, and we're reminded in verse number 20, by faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau. We know Esau was the oldest. We know the story. I'll refer, refer back to it in a moment. He blesses Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. He's mentioned in the Hall of Faith, this great faith chapter. What did he do? The Bible says, to the extent of his faith in Hebrews eleven twenty, he blessed Jacob and Esau. That was the extent of his faith. If we study that a little further, we've got to go back to, as I just referred to in a moment ago, Genesis chapter 27. The beginning of that chapter, uh, it comes time for Isaac. Isaac is old, and Isaac is going to, he didn't have much longer to live, and so Isaac is going to pass down the blessings uh, to Esau, the oldest son, which is customary. To the oldest son comes the birthright. In this situation, the oldest son, which is going to receive the blessings, is going to go from Abraham to Isaac to Esau. But we know that that's not how it happened. We know that's not what took place. We know that Jacob, with the help of his mother, deceived Isaac. And I'll not take too much time to go into all the detail of how he did that, but, but Isaac was old, and Isaac was, was blind, and Isaac uh, he was easily deceived in there, and, and Jacob deceived him while, while Esau was out hunting for that meal to be prepared for Isaac. And Jacob received the blessing. Isaac passed down the blessing that was promised to Abraham. Abraham passed down to Isaac that was intended for Esau, but Jacob stole the birthright. We know this. That blessing was passed down. Esau comes back and says, Dad, I have your meal. I'm ready for the blessing. And if you go back and you read chapter 27, you get a sense from the words of Isaac of the confusion he has. He even says, Who? Who are you? He's confused because in his mind, he's already given the blessing. Stay with me. This is important. He's already given the blessing to uh, Esau. But he didn't give it to Esau. He gave it to Jacob. And of course, we know the response of Esau. Esau is irate. 
Esau is angry. As you can imagine, uh, he would be. Esau vows to kill Jacob. As a matter of fact, it sends Jacob fleeing, and Jacob is going to end up in the wilderness running for his life because Esau has every intention of killing him. But that was not Isaac's reaction. Isaac did, but in Esau, and I think of the words of Esau, uh, and I may be paraphrasing, may not be exactly right, but he says something to the effect of, do you only have one blessing? Uh, There is the promise from Abraham to Isaac one time, and it was supposed to be Esau, but it went to Jacob. But we find that after he says, do you just have one blessing, Isaac blesses Esau, but in his blessing he says, you, and I'm paraphrasing, will serve your younger brother. Why? Because the blessing has already been given. Now, what may be confusing to you and I is God's blessing, God's promise is always fulfilled. But yet, in the middle of that promise... We find deceit to gain the blessing. We find trickery to get the blessing. We find Isaac duped by Jacob, his son. Now, we fast forward many years. We know that Jacob wrestles with the Lord. His name is changed to Israel. That's thus the promises fulfilled the nation of Israel. Joseph, the son of Jacob, it is, it is through uh, Jacob that that promise is perpetuated by God. A promise, if you will, tonight, if we could put it this way, that Jacob should have never had. A promise that should have never taken place. Take that story and think just a moment, what's the big deal about Isaac? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak just to a moment from my viewpoint, having grown up through church, uh, know the, the Bible story of Abraham offering Isaac as that sacrifice, God intervening. The only thing I ever remember being taught about Isaac beyond that is the fact that he couldn't even tell the difference between his two boys. You know, like every, every mom, it calls every name in the house before they get to the right one, you know. It's like Isaac couldn't even tell the difference. Well, we know he couldn't see. I mean, how hard is it to tell? But we know the Scripture is very descriptive. And how he, 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 Esau was much different than, than Jacob. And how, how he tried to discern and he was deceived that this was, this was Esau and it was really Jacob. All Isaac did was his dad was going to sacrifice him. And then he was deceived and passed down the birthright. But yet, in Hebrews chapter number 11, this great chapter on faith, God included Isaac. All he did was get deceived. But there's more to it than that. I have to refer you back to Genesis 27, something I've already mentioned. When it was revealed to Isaac that Jacob, who was not the oldest, had gotten the birthright, he did not try to undo 
what had already been done. He just looked to Esau, and if you can picture, this is how I picture in my mind, and I don't know that he literally shrugged his shoulders, but it was like, well, the promise has already been passed down. There is a blessing for you, but your blessing, even though you're the oldest, your blessing, even though Jacob deceived me, is going to be second to the promise of God. Let me spell it out a little bit plainer. Sometimes we have a hard time figuring out where faith comes in when things are done in a way that should not have been done. But what I want to remind you and I that Isaac mentioned in Hebrews 11 as a man of great faith. What did he do? His dad was going to sacrifice him. What did he do? He got deceived and gave the blessing to the wrong son. Yet, God puts him as an example of faith with Moses, with Abraham, with all of these other characters. And you look at his life, how was anything that he accomplished by faith? But the fact that his response, once the deceit was known to him, he still believed that the promise of God was greater than the actions of any man. He still believed that God could still do what God said he would do no matter what Jacob did, no matter how he was deceived. He still, you see it in verse number 20, he blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. He, he couldn't change it. He couldn't fix it, but he still believed. And I believe, as you look in the Genesis 27, and it's so revealing to me, when, you, when he gives the blessing to Esau, the words that he uses, it's done. Yes, Jacob deceived. And yes, he shouldn't have done that. He connived with his mother to steal something that belonged to Esau. But you know what was greater than man's deceit? God's promise. You know what was greater than man's conspiracy? God's promise. You know what was greater than the sin of man to try and obtain something that didn't belong to him? God's promise. And Isaac had faith in God's promise even when he didn't see how it was going to be done. He had faith in God's promises even in the midst of the deceit by Jacob. Make a couple of questions, uh, statements we'll get into the outline. He was trusting that God would carry out those things which he had promised. Rather than questioning these events, Isaac believed in the will of God, and sometimes it takes faith to believe that things will work together for good when they are the opposite of how man intended or how we intended for them to be. Sometimes we look in a situation and we're like, well, there goes that. But let me remind you, 
God's promises are greater than man's failures. And if God says he's going to do something, it's going to be done. And he can use the deceit of man to still fulfill his promises. And sometimes we look at situations, and when man gets involved, of course there's imperfection, but there's more than imperfection. There's deceit. There's rebellion. Uh, there's a lack of responsibility. Uh, there's conniving to get things our way to, to pacify our flesh. But yet, Isaac still had faith in what God had said. Imagine trusting God enough to accept things that are exactly the opposite of what we believe they should be. Now, there's no doubt in any of our minds, if we just read the Bible, that Esau was supposed to get the birthright. He was supposed to get the blessing. Everybody with me? But yet, Jacob deceived him, and Isaac didn't know that was going to happen. He was deceived, but it, it was the opposite of what in their minds it was supposed to be. But yet, Isaac is in Hebrews 11 as a man of great faith because he believed the promises of God were greater than man's deceit. That God could still do what God had said he would do. Let me say this, and I'll get into the outline tonight. We need to remember that our faith should be in the promises of God, not in man anyway. Our faith should be in what God has said. There are too many Christians trying to manipulate the will of God when God's promises are what we ought to have faith in. There's too many times we give up on the promises of God because we face circumstances we don't understand how God is going to do what He's promised to do. Now, let me get into the outline tonight, and let me give you number one. It's a long statement, so listen carefully. Faith in God's promises are based on the promises, not the present circumstances. Let me say that again. Faith in God's promises are based on the promises, not the present circumstances. If I'm going to have faith in the promises of God, then my faith, this is going to be deep for you, have got to be on the promises of God. Not on the circumstances that I find myself in. And this is key in the life of a Christian because as Christians, we have a tendency to focus more on the circumstances than we do on the promise. Try and place yourself in Isaac's situation. There's no fixing what has already been done. There's no changing it. There's not going back on it. God had passed it down to Jacob, and those circumstances at that point, how in the world, because, okay, according to plan, that's gone. I've got one son who tricks his own father by their conniving with his mother to do it, to steal the promises and blessings of God. Now the other son is going to go kill him because he stole his birthright. I can't do nothing about it. I'm getting ready to die. 
I'm leaving that with God. And he had faith in what God said he would do. Listen to me, Christian, this will help you. God doesn't need perfect circumstances to fulfill his promises. Matter of fact, you, you study scripture. It's during those imperfect times. There's circumstances that it seems like there is no way. That's when his promise is always fulfilled. So if I'm going to have faith, if you're going to have faith in God's promises, then our faith must be in the promises, not in the circumstances. And while that sounds so simple, it is. But it's harder to do. Because what gets our attention is the circumstances. God said He's going to take care of His own. But sometimes we look at the situation, and we may be going through a valley, we may be going through difficulty, we may lose our job, we may lose some, 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 something in life happens that just devastates and turns us upside down, and all of our circumstances are saying, there's no way, but God's promise is what we have to have faith in. Uh, you don't, as a church, we don't have to have a perfect climate in this world for God's church to advance because God's promises are still true. Often we think God has broken His promise because we think there is a certain way God's promise should be fulfilled. Don't let that statement pass you by. We often think God has broken His promise because we think there's a certain way God's promise should be fulfilled. That ties right in with, I want to do the will of God as long as I get to pick how that, what God, the will of God is. That's not how it works. Well, I guess God has just forsaken me. How dare we ever say that, much less think it? Because God's promises are true. We can't look at the circumstances. We've got to look at the promise. That's why you, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you don't know what the promises are, how can you have faith? If you don't remind yourself what they are, how can you have faith in it? That's why you've got to be in this book. You've got to be reading the word of God. You, you've got to be incorporating your life. And I promise you this. I could testify, and I know I could call a number of people up here could testify there's periods of time in your life that the only thing you had to hold on to was God's promise. And yet while the circumstances were flipped upside down, God's promise still is true. Faith in God's promises are based on the promise, not the present circumstance. This will help you, Christian, if you get your eyes off the circumstance and on the promise of God. Number two. Faith in God's promises are tested by our circumstances. Now, faith in God's promises are on the promise. I said that, number one, not on the circumstance. But, number two, faith in, in God's promises are tested. It's tested by our circumstances. Our present circumstances require faith in the promise. Isaac's faith was tested. Why? 
because the promise he was going to pass down to the oldest, and now man has got in the way. Now sin has got in the way. Now an act of deceit and betrayal. And now we're going to throw with Esau vengeance in there. I, I guess God just isn't good. I guess it's over. It's over. It's done. No. The present circumstances tested the man's faith in God. God, Christian, is going to put you through some circumstances. If I can say it like this, See if you really mean what you say. Your circumstances are going to test your faith. Why, why? God loves us. We know that, right? He loved us enough to send His Son to pay our sin debt. He loves us. But yet as His child, you think He loves us less now? No, He loves us more. He loves us. He cares for us. He catches our tears. He knows our needs. He knows every circumstance that we're in. Matter of fact, He longs for all of His children to be home with Him. The reason why we're not, He has something for us to do. And, and He's going to, how do we please Him? By faith. So we have an opportunity to please God by our faith. And so He allows us to ha have circumstances that test that faith. What faith? The faith in His promises. Because it's, it's easy to say, I believe every promise in this book, but it's not quite as easy to live when the circumstances are such as described or the circumstances are as they were in the life of Joseph or the circumstances are, are, are such where you cannot see how it is going to be. You don't know how you're going to get through it. You just got to. That circumstances are going to test your faith in His promises. Let me give you some practical but good advice. Your circumstances are such, you don't see how it's going to be done. You just keep your eyes on the promises. God's going to let circumstances... The circumstances we find ourselves in as a nation, I don't know what all God's purpose is, but He'll use something like that to test our faith. He'll use things that he wouldn't be His... And I don't even know how, how to say this. He will allow, just like He allowed Jacob to do something He shouldn't have done. He, he gives man free will... But when man messes up, when circumstances are difficult, that does not mean you have to throw the... God's promises aren't just good in a vacuum. They're always going to be true. But don't forget the fact that God will allow your circumstances to test your faith in His promises. How, 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 I'm 46 years of age. I know I don't look that old, but I'm 46 years of age. Some of you didn't respond to that. Um, I can stand here and I can preach and teach passionately to you. You can have faith in the Word of God no matter what. I can 
look you eyeball to eyeball in a hospital room at a graveside, as I have done with many of you, and I can say you can trust God. Because I believe that, but I've also lived through circumstances that tested my faith in the promises of God. You and I have got to keep our focus when the circumstances are not ideal. That's why even this day we live in, we live in a godless society, we live in an anti-God society, and, and, and people say, well, it's just the way it is, and we just wait till Jesus comes. Well, I'm waiting on Jesus to come, but I don't believe you have to have a, a perfect society wanting revival to have it. I believe God's promises are still true. Number three, we'll move on. Faith in God's promises understands future blessings are not contingent upon our own understanding of the circumstances. Did you get that? Faith in God's promises understands that future blessings are not contingent upon our own understanding of the circumstances. We're talking a lot tonight about the circumstances. And as we look in the life of Isaac, as you read Hebrews 11, you read all the documentation of all these other great characters, and it just says, yep, he passed down the blessing. Well, where's the faith in that? I think we've spent enough time talking about the faith in that. He believed that that promise that was passed to him from, from, from his father Abraham, when he passed it on, the responsibility was on God to keep his promise not on perfect circumstances. And faith in the promises of God understands that future blessings are not contingent on our own understanding. Christian, don't wait until you understand why before you do. You just do what you're supposed to do. Too many times Christians sit around and wait for God to give them all the answers. That's not faith. Oh, this whole situation is messed up. Well, when God lets me know how he's going to do it, then no, my blessings, my blessings from my God do not depend on me having a clue about what God's doing. What do you think God's doing? I don't have a problem with somebody saying, what do you think God's doing? But I don't have to know. And I just wonder how much we could do for God if we quit thinking about what, what is God trying to do and we just did what God told us to do and we just had faith in His promises and understand that my blessings are not connected to me understanding the circumstances. You think Isaac had any idea what was going on in Genesis chapter number 27? What must have been going through his mind? I'm getting ready to die his mother is conniving against me for the mama's boy. He's not supposed to get the blessing. He honored me so much that he deceives me and he lies to me so that he can get the promise of God. I, my other son comes in, and now he's going to go kill him. He says, you don't have only one pr pr promise, uh, Dad? You have only one blessing? Well, I'll give you a blessing, but in that blessing is you're going to serve your brother. 
Now, if you've got siblings, especially brothers, youngest, the oldest, serving the youngest, the younger, mm, they don't go too well. So moms, when, when one of your boys says, I'm going to go kill him, Esau said the same thing. So you can relax a little bit. But in those circumstances, you think Isaac understood? Isaac didn't understand. But Isaac knew the blessings did not hinge on his understanding. I wish God would explain to me. No, you don't. You couldn't handle it. Oh, when I get to heaven, I'm gonna, it's going to be revealed to me. Probably not. Or if it is, you're going to be like, eh, doesn't matter now. Because God's ways are above our ways. His thoughts are above our thoughts. We're just supposed to have faith in His promises. If I have faith in this book, if you have faith in this book, the circumstances can change, but my blessings don't come from the circumstances. There's promises in this book, and it bears out even in history. That figuratively speaking, the world could be burning. You can find a pocket of God's blessings in the midst of that. What is that? Just have faith in God. Faith in God's promises. Number four. Faith in God's promises leads you to do what you know to do and leaves the results to God. This is so practical, yet so scriptural. Faith in God's promises leads you to do what you know to do and leave the results to God. Christian, let me be blunt. Quit trying to help God out. And don't look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about because we all do it. My responsibility is not to try and help God. He don't need my help. My responsibility is not even to worry about the results. And too many Christians weigh, well, if I, do, if I give God my life, then I better have... We're just supposed to do what we're supposed to do. Well, Pastor, we need to stay a soul in church because the results... No, 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 we do it because we're supposed to do it. We, we do it because it's a command of God. Faith in God's promises leads you to do what you know to do and leave the results to God. Is it not true that we spend most of our time worrying about things we can't control instead of worrying about the things we can control? We're just supposed to do what God says to do. And faith in God's promises leads me to do what I know I'm supposed to do. Think back to previous lessons on this subject of faith and how obedience and faith are tied together. If you're a disobedient Christian, you do not have faith. Therefore, you cannot please God. I don't, I don't obey this book because I understand the reasoning behind all that. And, and there's too many, by the way, let me just throw this in. There's too many backslidden, carnal Christians that want an explanation of why God has said what God has said. Let me help you. You don't get one. And I'm not wasting my time 
trying to justify in your mind why you don't have to... No, God said it. I don't even have to understand the why. I'm just supposed to do it. Uh, Because the results are up to God. I want God's blessings. If I obey commands, I'm promised blessings. But God's in control of all of that. Let me say it like this and, and I'll close. We we're too concerned many times about how things are going to work out. I'll choose my position based on how I think it's going to work out. You could not find something further from that book than that. Well, I'll do it if it isn't a positive result for me. That, that has nothing to do with the Bible. I know you, you ever heard of the Apostle Paul, the apostles martyred for the cause of Christ. Didn't work out too well from them from a world's perspective. But the results are up to God. You look at the two extremes we see in the Bible. It's even true in Christianity today. God decides that He's going to bless certain churches, certain Christians, in a way that is a public display of blessings. And on the other end of that spectrum in Christianity is a Christian who's martyred for their faith. The results are up to God, but the promises are the same. Now, I'm like you. I know which end of the spectrum I'd rather be on. But I should not make my decisions as a preacher of how I'm going to preach based on how I think that's going to work out. As a church, we should not position ourselves principally, doctrinally, in separation based on how much pressure we're going to get or not get. My faith is in the promises of God. And when I was look at, looking at this chapter and I saw Isaac, and I'm like, what in the... I thought back to my son, children's Sunday school days and my junior church days. Uh, like, all, all he ever did, you know, I don't know if you ever think this way, his dad was going to kill him. And then he couldn't even bless the right son. But if you look deeper, think about this. That really was all he did. He didn't lead millions of Jews out of bondage like Moses. Didn't do that. He didn't do the things Abraham did. But God said, I want to preserve him in Scripture for eternity. Because when circumstances got changed, he still had faith in what I said. You know what that tells me? It tells me I don't have to lead 300 people out of, 3 million people out of bondage to please my God. We do that, don't we? Well, they accomplished all this for the Lord, so therefore God is more pleased with them. No, we just have to live by faith and we please God. 
you and I may not be able to say we have much in common with Abraham or much in common with Moses, but can we can we identify with Abel or with uh, Isaac a little bit in the fact that I can't control my circumstances, but I'm not going to let my circumstances control me either. I'm just going to believe the promises of God. No matter what you're going through tonight, no matter what you go through tomorrow, or way in the future, keep your promise, keep your faith on the promises of God. Father, I pray that you'll help us to keep our focus on you. 